Hi everyone. And welcome to our continuing weekly share in Tirkasatzadik. Welcome to those of you participating in all virtual platforms. Okay, here we are at Osiod Aleph. I will even share the screen for those who'd like to see it with me. Yalfinun mebri asa shal olam tibichol davar halayla kodem liyom. So we learned from the way that the world was created. The Gemara says that in everything, night comes before day. This is a principle all across life. In everything, the absence of that thing comes before the Havaya, its existence. So everything goes from, some, from nothing to something in this world. And therefore, it will always be that darkness precedes the light. The Chieshev B'choshech if I'm sitting in the dark, Eda, I can know ki Hashem orli. I can know that subsequently Hashem will be the light for me. Now that is a pasuk. Um, the pasuk says, "Al tismichi ayavti li ki nafalti kamti." Do not rejoice, my enemy, over me. When I fall, when I have fallen, I have risen. When I sat in the dark, Hashem was a light for me. So the medrash says, I mean, again, so the simple reading of the verse is, "Don't rejoice that I've fallen, because I'm going to get up." Don't rejoice that I'm sitting in the dark because when I, Hashem was a light for me. Pretty straightforward, right? So the Medrash says that actually, ilmole nafalti lokamti. There's different versions of the language of the Medrash. Um, actually, there was even a, just an interesting historical thing. Um, there's a record that was put out by Yeshiva Schein Berlin um, 70 or 60 years ago, many years ago. Um, you know, a, a, a record, I guess it must have been 60 years ago, of music. Um, with different songs on it. And some of them were composed by Rav Hutner, the Rosh Hashiva. One of them was a tune to this medrash. Um, sings the Pasuk, and then it's the medrash. Ilmole nafalti lo kamti. Had I not fallen, I never would have gotten up. Ilmole yashavti because I'd never been this high had I not first fallen. Ilmole yashavti b'choshek. If I had not sat in the dark, lo haya Hashem orli. God never could have been a light for me. In other words, Rav Sadek is saying a straightforward thing. That darkness is a prerequisite for light. If you don't have the darkness, you won't get that level of light. Um, and so a person who's sitting in the dark, the Pasuk says, Hashem Orli, Hashem is my light. If I'm sitting in the dark, I can know that Hashem will be my light afterwards because it is a necessary thing that darkness comes before light. So you're sitting at night, you can know that the sun will rise. Ki kol ha'adam, kach mehazman. I mean, a person's life is mixed created as a mixture of different times. Choshech ve'or, dark and light. Yom ve'layla, day and night. Kach chozer chalila. And so, it goes in a cycle. Raksha choshech kodem. But, but, darkness comes first. It always requires toil and struggle and darkness. Haklipa kodemes lepri. The klipa, the shell comes before the fruit. You've got to get that coconut shell open if you want to get what's inside. Chutz, but there's an exception to this. So even though night always follows day, sorry, day always follows night, there's one time that night follows day and the day comes first. And that is chutz mi bakodshim. When it comes to kodshim, the eating of sacrifices, kaimalon halayla hayom. When we calculate days for how much time you have for eating a korban or something, it goes day and then night following the day. Why? 
Kodshim is holiness. It's Misha Kfar Bo El HaKodesh, a person who has already arrived in a place of holiness. So for him, Hayom Kodem. At that point, he's in a place of holiness. So he's in the day. So the day is now first. Kemo Misha Omed Tocha Pri, like if you were to have somebody who was standing inside of a fruit, you're inside the pomegranate, that's Loha Pri Kodem Leklipa. So, I mean, the next thing to come is going to be the shell, not the fruit. He's in the fruit already. That's why there was even a, a, a consideration that also for Kriyashma, it might be that way as well. I've written this way elsewhere. He has a sense as to check a Talmud Rebbeinu Yonah. Okay. Os Yud Beis. When it comes to repentance, Yeshnei Inyanin. So the truth is, before I start Yud Beis, I just want to say a word about it, but I don't want to focus on it intensely. Um... I just want to say that what we just read is very fundamental, and that is that the attitude is meant to be that darkness precedes light. Hard work has to precede, you know, uh, any any tremendous any tremendous accomplishment or insight. Um, and I'll share with you, you know, I shouldn't have jumped ahead and even said Yud Beis. I should make sure that we we properly express, um, you know, what it says here. So let me let me share with you a pasuk here, pasuk in Mishlei, Perak Yudalad. It says, "Lave, the heart of a person, Yodeya Moras Nafsho. A person's heart knows the bitterness in his soul. No one else knows. Only you. Only you know the bitterness in your soul. I mean, does is everyone filled with bitterness? I mean, that's an interesting pasuk. And then it says, "Uvesimchaso," and in your rejoicing, "Lo yis arav yis arav zar," no stranger ever will mix into your joy. So, or mix in is one way. Yis arav. Another possibility is it's from the language of arav. In other words, sweetness. No person will ever taste the sweetness of your joy, and no person will ever experience your pain. It's a simple reading of the Pasuk. It says Rashi on Mishli, Levyo de Amaras Nafsha, one's heart. The heart knows the pain of the soul. Tarcho Vigio Sha'amal Batora. Only you inside know how much hard work it is to accomplish in Torah. So a person who struggles in Torah and works hard to put aside all the distractions in this world and really focus on growing in Torah, I mean that's no simple thing. Lefikach, for that reason, because a person struggles so hard at that. No other person will experience the joy of that reward when he receives his reward in the end. So in other words, pain, suffering, struggle is a prerequisite for the joy. That's what Rashi says here. Um, in fact, in fact, there is like a very interesting piece from the Shach al-Hatorah. The Shach al-Hatorah. The Shach al-Hatorah is a Sifse Kohen. Um, it's not the Shach from Shulchan Aruch. The Shach al-Hatorah is a Mordechai HaKohen of Tzfas. He's often called, like I've seen, you know, the Chida and others bring him as one of the Gure Ha'ari. The students of the Arizal, a generation or two later, were often called Gure Ha'ari, the, the, the lion cubs of the Arizal. And the Shach al-Hatorah says something very, very uh, insightful. He says that the harder a person works, you know, the more a person struggles. So that is a preparation in this world for great achievements. He says the Jewish people are sitting in Mitzrayim, 
and they're struggling. They're st- I mean, it's it's very difficult to be slaves, to maintain your loyalty to your mission. I mean, you have this awareness that one day Moshe is going, to, you know, a Moshe will come, someone will come and save the Jewish people. Uh, it can be very difficult to cling to that. And the Jewish people are suffering terribly. People are dying. People are being tortured. Comes along, you know, Yisro in the Torah. The Jewish people are about to go to Har Sinai. This is his is his explanation. There's different positions on when did Yisro arrive. But according to simple reading of the text, it kind of sounds like he came before the giving of the Torah. And then he left before the giving of the Torah. So Yisro, this person, shows up enamored with the Jewish people. He heard of all the miracles. He says, I'm convinced that God is the... I mean, this is text. Ato Yadati. Yeah, now, I've now become absolutely convinced that God of the Jews is the supreme God because of the experiences that I've seen happen in the world and I've tested everything out. So we, right, we have a lot of subtext that we pick up in our oral tradition. Anyway, what's so incredible is that according to the Shachal HaTorah and the simple reading, he leaves before the giving of the Torah. He leaves. He goes back to his country. He doesn't stay. The Jewish people knew what they were counting toward. They knew that they were expecting to receive the Torah on this mountain, and they couldn't convince him to stay. So the question is, why not? So says the Shachal HaTorah, Yisro didn't go through the slavery. Yisro didn't go through the slavery. He was sitting behashkeit v'shalva in tranquility and peace in his home in Midian. I mean, he had a relatively unburdened life. And when then you consider the Jewish people... So they were ready to receive the Torah. He just wouldn't have been able to receive it at that same level. He would have stood there at Hasinai and says the Shach al HaTorah, the Erev Rav, this mixed multitude who came to enjoy the giving of the Torah and to be part of the Jewish people, they were very special people. I mean, these were the noblest souls among the Egyptian society who, even when many Jews remained behind, and, you know, didn't decide to buy. They said, we accept that there's a God. We accept this God of the Jews. We want to be part of this. And they followed. Um, and nevertheless, he says, they could not hear the Ten Commandments. Now listen, anybody who converts to Judaism, it's explicit that their soul was there at Harsinai. It's a Gemara in Shabbos, Kofman It's a Gemara, it's a Midrash Rabbah in, in Parachavches and Shmos Rabbah. So, you know, we have that tradition. But in terms of being actually able to hear it, they didn't hear the Ten Commandments, he says. Because if you didn't suffer, then so you won't be ready. That's what Rashi taught us. It is only when a person suffers and feels the pain that they can then feel the joy. And therefore, the night comes before the day. If not for those difficult experiences that a person has, I mean, they don't have an opportunity to become great. And it's not, it's not simply about the fact that it was painful. But apparently, we see from here that this is, this is a recipe. Things are not necessarily ever going to be easy for a person because that's never the goal. The goal is not that it should be easy. Um, the goal is that it should be meaningful, or that it should be a great accomplishment. It's not easier to win the Super Bowl than it is to win just a little backyard football game. It's harder. And because of that, I mean, that, that's the equation. The difficulty in something makes that thing a little bit more rewarding to do. And to the extent that it's, well, therefore... Yisra wasn't ready. I mean, he couldn't stay. He couldn't stay and receive the Torah with them at the same level because he wouldn't have been at that level. And uh, the Sifsekhan goes on to discuss how for him to keep the company of the Erev Rav was also not really appropriate, and therefore he went on his way. Right. In any event, I, I just want to say that darkness coming before light is, is the way it's supposed to work in this world. Things aren't always supposed to be simple and easy. Life is not about being the easiest possible thing, but it is 
about getting the most incredible happiness at the end, which can only come from, as Rashi said, somewhat difficult work. Darkness coming before the light. Had I not, ilmali nafalti lo kanti. Okay, on to Yudbeis. Betshuva. When it comes to repentance, yeshnei there are two subjects, two sections within repentance. The past and the future. Lahaba, the future. Betikon ha'avar, and fixing the past. I want to explain. If you got in a fight with somebody, if you're, you know, you have a best friend, and you fought with them. So there's two things you're going to have to do. One thing is you can say, listen, I'm not saying that anymore. I'm not fighting with you anymore. You show up the next day. Hey, you know, let's move forward. I won't talk to you like that ever again. Now that that's, that's something. And many people move forward with that in marriages and in relationships where they figure out a way to keep a peace based upon their behavior going forward. There's another thing. Yesterday I called you a pretty mean name. How do I fix that? I caused you pain. I caused you damage. I may be saying, I'll never do it again, and I'll be better, and I won't lash out in anger, but I hurt you yesterday, and I have to try to fix that too. Tshuva has two things. Tshuva is meant, first of all, for fixing the future, right? Perfect what you're doing tomorrow, but also, Tshuva has to deal with the past. Zehu taima, shnei tahara v'kapara. There's tahara, purity, and kapara. Forgive, uh, forgiveness, atonement. Tahara, purity, Allah haba, that goes on the future. And he says in brackets as follows, the purity for the future is b'mei hadas. It's purifying yourself as if you would go into a mikvah, but a mikvah of intelligence. Mei hadas, the waters of wisdom. Hu Torah tavlin, which is the Torah, which the metaphor for the Torah is the water. And the Torah is the tavlin, it is the antidote, it's the spice. A person who jumps into the Torah and allows the Torah to direct and enlighten him will be saved from future sins. Or the light of Torah straightens out a person for the good. Which it says, It says that in the Medrash at the beginning of Eicha, the Medrash there says something absolutely amazing, my friends. It says... It says, Hashem says, if only the people would have abandoned me, stopped thinking about me, and just kept the Torah, studied and implemented the lessons of the Torah. In other words, it would almost be there the light in the Torah that even if the people aren't thinking about God, and they're not inspired, and they're not motivated. That it will. The Torah itself is a system that will bring them back to good. There's a light in the Torah, even if the person isn't thinking about God. And there's a sefer called Evan Shasia, contemporary sefer. It is written by Reb Yochanan Bechofer Shlita, and Reb Bechofer was a student of Reb Yaakov Weinberg. He quotes Reb Yaakov Weinberg in there. If I recall correctly, I saw some years ago that Reb Yaakov Weinberg essentially said that if a Jew doesn't believe in God. So doing mitzvos are not counted as mitzvos. If a person doesn't acknowledge the existence of God, then his mitzvah is nothing. It's not a mitzvah. So the person puts on tefillin, it's not a mitzvah. He says, but it would still have an impact. Even if a person was putting on tefillin and not believing in God, and therefore it's not a mitzvah in the sense that we're used to, it still has a light. There's a ma'or shabbat that, that, that's machzirah lamutav. That's what he quoted. Now, that's a very interesting thing. It means to say that even if it's not a mitzvah, there's still a light in it. I would think the light is in the fact that it's a mitzvah. Um, but Rabbi quotes Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg as saying, therefore, that if you put tefillin on somebody who doesn't believe in God, um, there still can be a positive impact to that person based upon this medrash at the beginning of Eicha. And uh, 
it's like a fascinating thing to consider that the mitzvos themselves contain within them tools to ignite a person's soul to get them more connected to God. Um, even if the person doing those mitzvahs, their mind is entirely not there. Okay, so that's something that uh, I have no expertise in, but that's the Medrash. It says in the Talad Ve'eliyahu, as well as in Ve'ekarabo, that tshuva works as follows. If a person used to study only one page of Torah, now he should learn two pages of Torah every day. So in other words, tshuva involves increasing Torah study. And that, says Reb Tzadik, is the tahara part of tshuva. That's perfecting the next part of your life. So you may have made mistakes and errors in behavior. We'll do good things in the future. That's point one. Kapara. Kapara is fixing the past. That's to fix the past and get rid of the sin. Right? Atone for the sin. That's done by sacrifice or prayer or fasting or charity. Those are different things, different ingredients that are done for kapara. Kaimalon we have a teaching that kapara lo me'akeves. In other words, tshuva, it's important to fix the past. But if you didn't do it yet, it's not a disruption. You can still have tshuva even without full kapara. How, how do we know that? Says Reb Tzadok, the tshuva filu hear her believe or is it Tzadok Gomor? It says very clearly in the Gemara that if a person proposes to a woman, um, he says, Harat Mekudeshesli, says, proposes is the wrong word, right? He gives her a ring, and he says, will you agree to marry me? On condition that I'm a tzaddik gummer, and he hands her the ring, and then he falls down dead. And now you have a question, you know, is she a married woman, um, in terms of, for example, Yibam, or Chalitza, or other questions, right? Like, was that a marriage, or was it not a marriage? Um, if he was a tzaddik gummer, or, now, the Gemara says, even if he was a Russia up until that minute, we have to be concerned it's potentially a condition. It's a suffix that maybe they're married. Shema, hear her, tshuva, believe well, because maybe in his heart he had, you know, thoughts of, of doing tshuva. He thought, you know, I'll be a much better person from now on. Now, look, he didn't have any kapara. He didn't bring korbanos. He didn't do vidui and announce it. In order to have kapara, a person has to announce his sins. It's part of the mitzvah of tshuva. So it's not ma'akif. You can still be called a tzaddik gamur, a perfectly righteous man, if you make a firm commitment in your heart, not verbally, just in your mind, that from now on, I'm going to be a better person. That alone is significant enough to bring a person to future tahara, future purity. Now, Zehurak l'truma hamorem min hachol hagomor. This is only when it comes to truma. We'll explain what that means in a second as we keep reading. Um, when a person takes from something that's completely secular, Leos to separate himself off as if he were a separation of truma to become righteous. But for something to become kodshim, which is the even higher level of like a korban. A person who wants to be truly holy actually has to go back and fix the past. Okay, so in order to be a tzaddik, a person simply has to make a commitment for the future, says the Gemara. And then he can be a tzaddik right now. But if he wants to achieve holiness, he has to go back and fix the past too. V'toli zman kabolas ol betruma. The Gemara says that the time that we accept Hashem's 
yoke, right, saying Shema, is when the Kohanim go in to eat their Truma. A person does not have to have fixed his whole past in order to truly accept the yoke of heaven. He just needs to accept it from now going forward. Kriya Shema, Torah, reading the Shema, which is Torah, as Rashi explains at the beginning of Brachos, cited Yerushalmi, and the Gemara Menachot, Sadites, So what is he quoting? So Rashi says, we pray Mariv before Tzesach Kochavim. Right? Um, if a person prays Mariv early, like on Friday night sometimes, people do an early Shabbos, especially in the summer. So there's a mitzvah to daven Mariv, um, but Shema needs to be said after dark. So they'll, they'll announce in Shul, they'll remember to say over Kriya so the Gemara says, right? So Rashi says, "In Kain Madua Karina Shema." Why bother saying Shema if you're going to have to repeat it again later? It says, Torah." In order to go into one Shemona Esrei in the context of studying Torah. In other words, you basically you kill two birds. You accomplish two things with one stone, right? You accomplish two things when you say Shema um, in your evening service. First thing is you engage in Torah study, which is productive and important for entering that tefillah, and you accept all Malchus Shemai. Okay. Now, a person who's a Russia, Pasuk says, Hashem says, what business do you have talking about my rules? So a Russia shouldn't learn Torah, says that Pasuk. It requires becoming a tzaddik to learn Torah, says a tzaddik, right? So therefore... A person who is willing to make a commitment to be better in the future. So, that person can be defined as a tzaddik amor, totally righteous person. And he can accept all machashemaim. So, again, when do we read the Shema in the evening? Says Reb Tzaddik, when the Kohanim come to eat their truma. What is eating of the truma? It represents a person putting the past behind them, separating himself off to be at least a tzaddik. If you're willing to be at least a tzaddik, then learning the Torah is appropriate for you, which is Shema. Rak Harav Shemesh Tzarech. Only all that's needed is for the sun to set. The day in which he was impure, yesterday, is gone. And the sun set in purity. In other words, whatever you did up until now, you're alive now and you can do very good things now. So whatever you did up until now is the past. Now, that's, not, that's for being a tzaddik gomor. This is what we call a change in time. In much the way the Rambam talks about a person changing their name, who would say a person would do tshuva and say, I'm no longer that same person who did those things in the past. So similarly, as time changes, Klomar, a person would say, I'm not in that situation, right? And in those boundaries in which I became impure. Yeah, he yom to come. That was yesterday. It was yesterday that caused that. Yeah, yesterday was a bad day. Every day, a person is standing in a whole new section, a whole new place in time. The sun sets automatically by God. Because we know that Hashem helps us fight the Yetzirah, or we wouldn't really be able to do so. And therefore, as the day ends, and the sun sets, Right, and we're on to a new day. 
So a person is supposed to say Shema and make commitments for the future in their commitment to doing what's right, independently of what happened the day before. Now surely, says Reb Tzadik, um, in order to be someone of Kedusha, of holiness, a person has to also get kapara, which means to fix what they did in the past. But in order to move forward, that's not necessary. You can first move forward and you can get to that later. And this is like a very, very important thing. Um, a person in relationships is very important as well. Sometimes it's not possible immediately to heal all the pain that somebody may have experienced from something. But they can often move forward in a productive and healthy way and work towards healing that pain. It's the same thing with a person's own neshama and a person's own thing. I may not be perfect. I may not be perfect. I may not be the most amazing Jew. But I can be better tomorrow than I am today, and I can be better. I can make commitments. How am I going to fix the past? That's hard. It's doable. It's called kapara. But it's not in the way. Until the past is perfect, I'm not limited from accomplishing in the future. You can be, says Reb Tzadik, at Tzadik Gomor, if from now going forward, you have plans to be better than you were yesterday. Can you fix the pain you've caused someone else in a relationship simply by committing to be good in the future? You can't. It's not how it works. But you can move forward. Relationships can survive and thrive. And over time, people can heal of pain from the past. And it's a very important thing for us to understand that it's very much the same with our own spiritual accomplishment. It's not always easy to do the kind of tshuva that fixes the whole past for yourself. That is a very rigorous thing. But what you can do at least is part one of tshuva, says Reb Tzadik, and that's the most important part, to make you a tzadik amor. And that is to commit that from now on you will be better. You will, you will live a life that is more in line with what you believe than perhaps some of the mistakes a person made in the past. And that itself is such an enormous achievement and such an enormous accomplishment. Um, and that's what's expected of a person on a daily basis, Rip Tzadik finishes with. On a daily basis, we're expected to begin our day, which is the evening Shema, by saying very straightforward, in a very clear way, it's a new day, the sun has set, and I accept upon myself all Malchus Shemayim. That's what we're expected to do. I accept whatever happened yesterday was yesterday. It's a completely separate thing. Why would I let that influence today in any kind of negative way? That's what he says. Every single day is its own accomplishment and its own day. I mean, I want to share one last, one last, you know, just perspective on that. When a person has a new day, it's a morning, and a person wakes up. So we're supposed to say, Modan, you know, thank you, Hashem, for a new day. And the attitude is very clearly, it's a brand new soul. I'm brand new day. Hashem restored my soul. It wasn't clear I was ever going to wake up. And I woke up with a brand new day. Now... Why is that such a strongly focused upon attitude throughout so many of the stories? Why is that such an important idea? The answer is because if you were born today, that means there's something for you to accomplish today. It doesn't make a difference what happened yesterday or the day before that or the day, but there's something for today is a fresh new day for you to accomplish, for you to do. 
I don't know, the last 30 years I didn't learn Torah, so now I'm going to start learning Torah. Now, you know, you, you, a person can, can, can legitimately feel that when I take my whole life, so what is one day? And the answer is, if there wasn't something great for you to do today, then you would not have been born today. It wouldn't have happened. You're only here because you're supposed to be here today. That's why. And this each day is its own thing. So accomplish today! In, in fact, what Reb Tzadik is saying here, and we're going to see more pieces about this later in the Sefer, where he talks about tshuva. It's almost as if the past doesn't exist. In other words, imagine that this is the only reality that exists. Perhaps everything else is just a very sophisticated memory that you were born with. In other, in other words, what's right in front of you today is a day that you should be using. And it doesn't have to be influenced by the days that came before it. That doesn't mean yet that you have the ability to fix those days simply by ignoring them. You don't. If you want to fix damage that was done in any kind of relationship, at some point you're going to have to address it and work that out. And that's tshuva. If technology, you have to speak it out. You have to really... But, but... Just committing to not doing it again is itself an enormous accomplishment because it allows you to then make the most of today and the rest of your life. And, and I have to say that I, I am aware of people in relationships where there was hurt and pain in the beginning. People didn't treat one another correctly in a marriage or in other situations. And at a certain point, they learned to live together comfortably and kindly and in a productive way. And it was only many years later, and potentially there's some people I know that still hasn't happened, where they still haven't worked out the fact that they do hold some negative feelings about how they were treated in the beginning, where there is some pain, and there is, and it hasn't yet been completely solved. And yet their life is pleasant. Their life is kind. Their life is enjoyable. And at some point, I sincerely hope they will do the kapara portion of things too. But the first thing is the Tara, is, is, is hey, how am I going to use today? How am I going to accomplish and be better and be stronger and be more disciplined and more committed to the values, you know, that I'm supposed to be living my life with? That is paragraphs 11 and 12, Yud, Aleph, and Yud Beis of the Sefer Tzidka Satsadik. And it's been a great honor to have an opportunity this evening to learn them with you. Thank you to those who joined us on all different platforms. We hope we will continue to have opportunities to learn Torah together. Yeshikach.